2: now
4: And if you have been a viewer of my program for some time, then you may be familiar with my recent interview with Larry. Larry is part of a group called the Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project. And let me tell you, they have done some incredible things all across Nebraska. The rhinos that took over the grand old party, the GOP, sought to destroy this nation along with the Democrats. In the cabal, but if it wasn't for people like Larry Patriots, like you guys watching here tonight, then there's no way they would have done it. They would have destroyed America, but we are going to make America great again. And it's with the help of people like my guest tonight. If you want to check out the website for the Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project, you can go to the description of this video. It's NevoTurap.com. That is N-E-V-O-T-E-R-A-P dot com. When Larry gets here in just a moment, we're going to go through everything. Please, guys, make sure that you go take a bathroom break because this is going to be an incredible show. What a rally. President Trump was in rare form tonight. I was extremely moved. I think that many of you here were as well. Thank you for hanging out with us. Sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn. We are going to be right back after this very special message from the sponsor of this program. All right, welcome back to the program, everyone. Please join me in welcoming... Our guest for this evening from the Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project, my friend, Larry Ortega. Larry, go ahead and unmute. Say hello to the audience. Hi. Nice to meet you. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Uh, let me just real quick, before we continue on, I need to say thank you to Social Observer, who says on Rumble, make America not a corporation again. Yeah, I think a lot of people here would agree with that. Well, Larry, thank you very, very much for being here. As I said in the introduction, I really enjoyed the conversation we had. I spoke to probably 30 people. I've got so many interviews that I have to cut and get out from the moment of truth still. But yours was one of the first ones that I put out because I knew we had this conversation coming up and I wanted the audience to get uh, a bit of a flavor for who you were. Uh, so I'm hoping tonight we can go into greater depth uh, in, as far as the, the actual actions that the Voter uh, Accuracy Project took, you yourself, uh, what the people of Nebraska have done. But I also hope that maybe we can get a little bit more into your background, because you've done a, a lot of incredible things. You know, you're a very intelligent guy. I think that probably has something to do with the level of success you've been able to attain there in Nebraska. But please, uh, let, let's let's go back to uh, your uh, beginnings as and- as a young man, you you, you served uh, and uh, and you were a rocket scientist, still a rocket scientist.
5: Uh, I was. I, I was very blessed. I, I actually uh, was born in Georgia, but I only lived there for three months. And my dad was taken off; he was doing training at the time. And we moved off to uh, California, and then Florida, and then Massachusetts, and then Nebraska. And I moved to Nebraska at the age of ten. And I lived there through the time that I went to college, except for one year when my dad was, uh, went to Vietnam to fly combat. So he went to Vietnam to fly combat. We went to my mom's hometown in South Texas for a year. And then I came back to Nebraska and I went through my military career. And about three years after I'd gotten out of the military, we ended up coming back to Nebraska. And I've been here ever since for the last 22, 23 years coming on, 24 years coming on that we've been, that we've been here since 99. So, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful time. I, I love Nebraska. I consider myself effectively raised in Nebraska. I mean, I, how many memories do you have pre 10 years old sort of a thing? But, I you know, I remember all of junior high and high school and everything from being 10 years old and, and older like that. So this is really where I was raised. And people here are very friendly. They're very honest. They're wonderful to live around. It's a great place. It's a fabulous secret. And uh, I, I'm not quite sure what else to say. No. After that, I was, I, I was really blessed to have the, the career that I did, going out of the Air Force Academy and into space to buy spy satellites and then off to, t- to USC to get a master's in aerospace and then off to test pilot school as a flight test engineer and then flight testing jets at Edwards. Uh, that was very exciting, a lot of fun, spin testing, Uh, High air, uh, high angle of attack testing, testing testing like the jet that I led the flight test of was the X-29 and got a chance to uh, lead that through its envelope expansion, the first jet with plastic wings. And then from there to Johnson Space Center, where I got a chance to fly in the shuttle training aircraft and train guys to land the space shuttle at the Cape, at Edwards, at White Sands, uh, missile range. That was a lot of fun. I got about a 1,000 space shuttle approaches. Then flew satellites, GPS, weather, missile warning. That was a lot of fun. Then I got assigned to the Pentagon as a project manager. And my first assignment was the operations director for the DCX, figuring out how we would actually operate a reusable rocket. And I helped co-lead the design with my classmate, Jess Fonable, from the Air Force Academy. And the two of us led the team. McDonnell Douglas was our lead contractor, Aerojet, Elect- Aerojet Um delivered rockets for us, the hydrogen-oxygen rockets that we needed. They were RL-10s that had been modified. And then we flew this this rocket that we built. We built the rocket roughly in 20, 21 months from the time back of the envelope all the way to rocket on, on the test stand ready to go. It was about 45 feet tall. We didn't fly very high, but we did it reusable. Kept going up and doing it again and again. Take off, fly it in the air, come back, land it, maintain it, fuel it, and fly it again. And uh twice, we flew it twice within 24 hours. So we, we pulled off some incredible feats just trying to figure that out. Now, of course, we knew that eventually we'd have to make a lo- taller, skinnier rocket and probably do multi-stage like you see on SpaceX. But this was a proof of concept. It was showing people how to get this done. From there, I got to work on hyperspectral satellites, and I helped develop the first hyperspectral. That's a satellite. You know, when you take a picture with your cell phone, it's, it only has three colors, red, green, blue. This this one had 1,200 colors, 400 and 200 in ultraviolet, 200 in infrared, and then another 800 that were visible light colors, very finely defined. And when you look at those through a very, very narrow set of color, like, for example, you could pick the color green. And if you look at just one shade of green and you would fly over a jungle, that particular shade of green would show up in all the trees at the same brightness. But if there was camouflage netting, that particular shade of green would show up different, and you'd see this square right in the middle of the jungle. I mean, that was a, a, an obvious use of hyperspectral. But that wasn't the purpose of our mission. The purpose of our mission was to study and understand um, ICBM warheads as they were flying in space. We wanted to be able to determine 5,000, 8,000, 10,000 miles away which colors would tell us that we're seeing nuclear warheads because it was the Star Wars project. We're trying to defend the United States. The concept was we'd have the right sensors looking for these warheads, and we'd have these reusable rockets that could launch continuously, launching interceptors to intercept the rockets like that. I also got a chance to build an exp- to work with an experimental spacecraft and launched it to the moon, and another spacecraft that I launched on the first Russian rocket out of Russia. So actually, when I got out of the Air Force. Um, the first place I went to work was for a space tourism company, and we launched the first two space tourists to, to, uh, from Russia to the space station for $20 million each. Now, this was a mistake on the part of the Russians. The Russians did not have an accounting system, so they had no idea what it actually cost. The government just, all, all that happened, you went to the rocket engine people and you said, I need two rockets, and they delivered rockets. People showed up for work, they got government paychecks, and the materials showed up. When you went to the metals company, The metals company would say, well, we deliver sheet metal to the rocket company, but we don't know what it costs because we just get metal ore from the, uh, from the miners. And then we turn that into sheet metal and then we turn it over to the rock. So nobody knew what anything costs. You didn't, you didn't pay for it. You just got it delivered as a government delivery sort of a thing. So later on, they found out that these launches were probably costing them about 120 to 140 million dollars a lot. But the first two space tourists got to ride for $20 million each. So that, that
4: was kind <laughs> Made of up a little out. bit of that money.
5: <laughs> I'll tell you what. Then I got went off and bumped into some guys who were working on a flying car. This is way before flying cars were famous at the turn of the turn of the century there, 2000, 2001 to 2003, four, five. came up with some new technology. I brought some new flight control ideas and technology. He brought new aerodynamics and I got so frustrated. We, we won a couple of small efforts and we had a lot of pats on the back and everything but we didn't win any contracts and I got so frustrated with what was going on I said I'm going to go off get a master's in in finance which I did and go to work for hedge funds which I did and I thought well geez I'm a rocket scientist won't take me long somebody's going to hand me a bunch of money (laughs) no (laughs) not quite like that if I'd had a career in finance maybe most likely not this way it turned out but since then, I've been working for a technology company, and all that those financial connections have helped. And it looks like we're getting money into this company, and we're taking off. It's a completely different science called resonant science. Oh, this is oh. a science that will revolutionize the world.
4: To, uh, well, expand upon that. I mean, like uh, you said, resonant science. I mean, are we you talking about some type of like frequency and vibration that allows for uh, specifically what? It turns out, uh, and I was like, what
5: hippies on your head i was like what are you but then i actually found a physicist mathematician who began to prove all this stuff to me yeah it's got to be the right crystals and it's got to be the correct location and it's got to be the right electromagnetic signals and they have to be connected in the correct way and he began to show me the physics and science of what this is all about and once i understood the science i was like wow yeah yeah Because this science unifies physics, chemistry, biology across the board. And in addition to that, because you're looking at the world from a brand new perspective, it's like going from X, Y, Z coordinates to polar coordinates, like three angles or something like that to be able to determine, two angles and a distance to determine where any location is inside of a 3D coordinate system. I mean, it's just two completely different perspectives of the same world, and What ended up happening was is he unified all the theories of these physics like this, and it's just been stunning. And what we've been doing is we've been finding scientists and engineers that had stumbled across new inventions but didn't know why they worked. And this company has been collecting those people and building these companies, and the results are just absolutely stunning. We're currently fertilizing over 200 farms across the United States. OK, they only have to put in three quarter of their fertilizer and none of their pesticides. And we we fertilize them from California, wherever they're at. So I'm like, well, How'd you do that? that. Holy
4: crow, that does not even make any sense. So so let, let me let me uh, hone that in. Just to, so you're, you're saying you are fertilizing them from afar. You're not yeah. providing technology better, that no, fertilizes that. them. No, correct. OK, That's so. Correct. Uh, this sounds familiar to something that I saw down in Australia they there was a process that they were using to somehow alter the structure of water that would um, uh, allow oh. the strawberries to absorb more nutrients or perhaps it was just You're, that
5: that's that's same
4: science same technology it's definitely legend science
5: that's
0: that is exactly amazing.
4: Correct. Well I'm I'm really excited to see how that pans out but uh oh man very cool stuff. So it obviously it sounds like you've been positioned as somebody to solve problems uh to obviously care about your country uh and I I'm certain that you probably witnessed a uh, gradual change taking place in Nebraska. Is that fair to say? I mean did did your actually, state change? Actually I i was- I wish I could say, oh, brilliantly, I knew
5: this for years. No, last August, I was sitting on my couch like everybody else watching Fox News when all of a sudden I realized I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I started to get on the web and search around to see what kind of cheating had happened in Nebraska. And I found a group of people that were actually researching it, trying to do it. And I started to get involved and started to help in the organizational structure And then with time, I started to get involved in the technical aspects of putting the presentation together that would be able to explain the cheat. There were many different ways to do this. Some of them were very complex, deep mathematics. Don't want to use those. Wanted to use the ways that were so obvious that any housewife, any rancher could explain to any other rancher, any other housewife, and everybody would understand exactly what was going on. And luckily, there were enough ways for us to be able to do that to where it was Clear and obvious what was going on regarding the cheating. Now, once that began to happen, I began to learn more about a lot of the other cheating that was going inside the, going on inside the United States and other states. Not every state cheats the same Mm -hmm. because they have different laws, because they have different rules, the way they operate. There's different ways that you can cheat. And in Nebraska, it was particularly easy because of a lot of the rules and laws. Now, I was sitting there wondering, why are the rules and the laws written so loosely and then i heard a horror story now i am not accusing anybody or stating that anybody did anything nefarious here but i'm just going to i'm just going to tell you the story how's okay. that as it was told to me please back in the 1990s there was a senior vice president of AIS american information systems that was the the company that eventually became ESNS voting systems same company. There was a vice president in that company. And that vice president said, you know what? I think I want to be their headquartered right here in Omaha, in Nebraska. You know what? I think I want to become a senator. And so he started running for the Senate. And what other people that lived in Nebraska at the time, this is the mid-90s, I wasn't back yet. I was still uh just, I was still in the military in the mid-90s, 95-96. So, um, I, you know, other people that were living here in Nebraska told me that everybody in the GOP said, no way. Guy's got no presence. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody can spell his name. There's no way. And uh, those same people told me, well, he bought like 500 yard signs at a couple of, a couple of commercials on TV, hardly anything. He's got no ring name recognition. There's no way this is going to happen.
4: He won. Wow. Were they already using the machines in Nebraska? No. Yes, they were. <laughs> there you go. They were using it
5: in some of the biggest counties like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody in the GOP was shocked. And then what other people that have lived here in Nebraska have told me since then is that uh, starting around 2000 or so, that pretty much if you weren't connected to the top of the GOP, you're not getting elected. Mm-mm. And that was pretty much it. And after that, it's just been no big deal. We, it, it's, it's been a selection, not an election, as to what's been going on. And a lot of people that people thought, well, why didn't that person make I mean, everybody wanted to vote for him. Why did that person not make it? Now the clarity has come in. Now it's taken 20 years for us to clarify this and, and to really understand what was happening, okay? Because it was done so subtly, mm-hmm. so subtly. And then this last election, it just became, like, really obvious. I mean, just too much as to what was going on. The second largest county by population in the state of Nebraska is Lancaster County. Lancaster County is where our capital is, Lincoln. Now, let me tell you what the big shock here is. Biden won that county. When Biden won that county here in Nebraska, the number of votes that Biden got was all the votes that dem- if, if every single Democrat had voted for Biden, which, believe it or not, actually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Some Democrats do actually vote for Republicans. But every single Democrat had to have voted for Biden. Every single independent in the county had to have voted for Biden. And 20 percent of Republicans had to join in with him for him to end up with that many votes. And yeah, that seems unlikely. It was not just a little unlikely, it was extraordinarily unlikely. And that's that's what happened inside of our own county. Now, here's the even more strange part. The governor, who lives in Lancaster County, because that's where the capital is, that's nothing to say. Secretary of State, nothing to say. Attorney Mm -hmm. General, nothing to say. When we came to them with our presentation about, look, we found all this fraud, none of the three of them would even accept the presentation. They wouldn't listen to it. They don't want to hear any details. Wow. I wonder why they wouldn't be interested. You know, maybe if you already know how the cheat is happening, you're really not interested in having it explained to you by somebody who doesn't know. Could be. Potentially.
4: I also have to believe, Larry, that certainly that's the case. But also, by not allowing that information to be shared, they retain that level of plausible deniability, where they Absolutely. can, yeah, they can claim to not know anything about it. Uh, I never saw any report. What are you talking? A presentation from the Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project? I have no idea what you mean.
5: Didn't read it. Don't no. say, don't know what you're saying. Exactly. So it's been uh, it's been that kind of a record. Actually, our secretary of state did actually respond to our presentation. He never took it, never actually saw our presentation, but he came up with a rebuttal. We published it. We published videos of me presenting it. I presented to probably 1,200 Nebraskans across the state live. And then we had about 2,000 or 2,500 more views that were not live because people told people and Mm -hmm. they went to go rumble and went and watched the presentations like that. But what ended up happening after that was the Secretary of State came back and rebutted us. And so we took a very careful look at his rebuttal. And there were somewhere like 24 points. They didn't even bother to rebut. (laughs) And luckily, about 80% of them were the major points. (laughs) So it's like, okay. (laughs) And then of the of the things that he did rebut, he rebutted about 14 or 15 of them. I, I don't have the exact number memorized. 14 or 15 of them like that. Uh, all but one, he changed what we said and then rebutted that. <laughs> it's oh, like, well, you know, if you change what we say, well, I don't know. That might be true, might not be true, but not what we said. So what, I mean, how, how what are we going to say about that? And the one thing that was true, uh, he misrepresented the mathematics behind it. It was a uh, statistical analysis or something. And when you miss, it's so easy with complex math, especially when most people are not, um, involved with it. And that particular subject actually had not been covered in our presentation. <laughs> it had been somebody to asked me a question, and I had it answered that way in an editorial in a newspaper. And so I, I got this kind of a response from the Secretary of State, who was rebutting that point at a newspaper editorial, not in our presentation, because of the question that I was asked.
4: So. When did this all begin? You said that you were just one year ago, essentially. Yeah, I was, I was sitting on the couch till like August
5: and I started watching um, a a year ago. I started watching some videos and I first was attracted towards the mathematicians that were involved in particular Ed Solomon Seth Keschel and uh, uh, Dr. Frank, Dr. Frank had come here to Nebraska. Um, And, you know, then I got involved with my group, Nebraska voter action project. And I, You know, we started to set some real goals inside of it, and even uh, when we got our first plan all put together and everything organized, our presentation put together, the the that first the first draft of the plan came out September October, but we refined it in late December, and by then we said, look, you know what? We need to change the GOP politicians in the state of Nebraska is what we stated. And what we meant by that was people both inside the party leadership and as it holding public office as well. Both, mm-hmm. both positions like that is what we wanted to do. So we had no idea what opportunities might show up, how things might turn or twist. By the, t- by the time April or May came around, we understood clearly the legislature said there's no way there's too many rhinos, too many Democrats will never get a thing passed. And they didn't. I mean, God bless them, they could try. But, you know, when you don't have the votes, you don't have the votes. And then the next part after that was the executive branch wasn't talking to us. So we were like, obviously, these people get to, need to get hit on the head. We need mm-hmm. delegates. So we had already been advocating people in December, January, February to go become GOP delegates. Mm-hmm. Then we began organizing them. And then by the time April, May came around, when we realized we're not going anywhere with anybody else. We need to get those delegates organized for the next for the convention that was going to occur in July. So we began talking to people. And the very first strategy we had was because we didn't have a phone list, didn't know how we were going to get a hold of all these people. We decided that we would start asking people two questions and we would hand them a simple red button. That's it. it just blank. With nothing on it. Just red that they could wear and that we could identify them when we ended up at the convention. <laughs> so what we the two questions were actually real simple was the 2020 election fraudulent Mm -hmm. and if you answered yes then we ask you the second question if you know it's fraudulent would you want it reversed and obviated so that you know there's no effect from those people that were illegally elected and when people there's a lot of people would say oh yeah yeah it's a fraudulent election oh no 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 no. i don't want to pull people out of office that that would really be a mess and it would really upset people and I'm like, upset people. How about upset me that I've got some person who's masquerading here right. uh, and got illegally elected into position? So we, 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 those are the two questions. We were handing out the red buttons and uh, another fabulous patriot working for another group had uh, come together and had put together, had somehow gotten from the GOP a listing of all the delegates that were coming. And it begun work and made a lot of phone calls to try to figure out which ones or which ones were not, were or were not Patriots. We looked at the list and there were a few people marked as Patriots that kind of we already knew like, no, we, we don't, we're not going to trust them as Patriots. Mm-hmm. So we redoubled across that list and there were other people and other groups working hard to try to get people to become delegates, et cetera. Now we not only had gotten people as delegates, but we had begun already starting to work with those counties in trying to get them to organize their little GOP party within the county level like that and start to become their own little force of getting change done at their county. In particular, how they voted to get rid of machines, et cetera, it, with, at the county level. So we have been making phone calls to all these counties, but we called all our connections throughout these counties. We've got 93 counties in Nebraska. So all of our connections and we started to tell them, hey, look, this is when you need to come to this convention. So sure enough, when we went to the meeting that we had told everybody to show up at, we had about 225 patriots or so show up and 175 or so of them were voting delegates at the convention. And that was the night before the convention. And this kind of gave us the entry. And we were lucky that same county, Lancaster County, Patriots, believe it or not, had taken over the county GOP there a couple of years back. And it had been a, a slug, a slug fest. They'd been very surreptitious, quiet about it. They brought in all the votes, changed the meeting, got everything done, overthrew the GOP, brought in new people two years ago. So we already had conservatives from that county and those conservatives knew how to throw, throw it over. So we brought them, they, they came and they told us, look, you know, we're doing this and we want to overthrow things. We're like, wow. They picked two of two people from our group to go work with them. We said, wow, this is fantastic. Which, by the way, one of the things you'll notice is I'm not actually dropping names here. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, is there's a lot of pressure on us. A lot of pressure. Just to give you a, one, for instance, the guy that manages our Telegram channel now being
4: investigated.
5: In what F- respect?
4: F- like by county, by the FBI, state?
5: By the FBI. Oh, the my FBI gosh. Now investigate. Wow. So for his postings, well, his postings are really our postings. Sure. But since he's the channel owner, they go to that and they say, your fault. You know, you're you're the issue. You're the problem. So we knew we were going to get those kinds of pressures. And it's one of the reasons that I kind of volunteered in our group. I'm not a politician. I'm not interested in becoming a politician. You can hear I'm a scientist engineer. I'm enjoying my scientist engineering stuff that I'm doing. I'm looking forward to eventually building those flying cars. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to do as a scientist engineer that I'm really, and businessman, that I'm really enjoying. And politics is none of them. Absolutely. So you still I mean, need to get this presentation done. I mean, you still need to get this other stuff.
4: You're essentially unimpeachable, which Correct. really is extremely important in a situation like this. But- how many how many people are we talking about in terms of the delegates and, and the county positions that you guys were able to fill up and to replace people? Do we have oh, a count?
5: I, I, I We have, I, 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 this is my guesstimates because I don't have it exact. Sure. But somewhere between 50 and 70 counties, we helped organize and push those counties into electing their GOP chairman for that county and getting things organized so that they could actually send people if they don't form a GOP inside the county and have their own GOP um, convention as a county, they can't send delegates to the state.
4: Mm-hmm. We
5: had four counties who tried to contact the GOP at the state level and were rebuffed. They just never bothered to answer their phones wow. and didn't, didn't return their phone calls. They did not get their GOP county uh, co- uh, conventions done in time. And we're told, sorry, you can't send anybody to the state. In the past, we've had state conventions where sometimes as many as 45 counties were not represented. And wow. the reason they don't want them represented is there's no rhinos in those little counties. Right. No. <laughs> they're conservative. They're 100% conservative. Mm-hmm. And well, don't get me wrong. There are some, believe it or not, there's some Democrats out there. Sure. Okay. There's Democrats in every crowd, right? But it's a very small percentage. It's in the 20% range or less. You know, 80% plus is Republicans like that and very conservative Republicans. So that's that's kind of how that had worked in the past. So the rhinos in Omaha and Lincoln at the bigger counties like that, they weren't interested in having those people show up at the state convention. That's why it was so important for us to push hard for these little counties to have their conventions and send their people to the convention so we'd have these conservative
4: votes. So it's it wasn't even necessary for you to completely control every single county in the state of Nebraska. Just just a majority. (laughs) 50 percent plus one vote. Right. Okay. I want I want that's that's the point that I wanted to get to, because I want everybody here to understand that that's all it is. You just need enough. Just 50 percent plus one. That's exactly the way to put it. Uh, Satcom 9475. Uh, who is the real Don Pedro on Getter says Zach? Keep on doing what you do. Always great interviews. Thank you very much for that generous donation. I appreciate it. All right. So when you got enough people, were you aware before you got to the convention that you guys had enough people and uh, and that you were going well, to be able to accomplish your goals, or was this kind of on the fly?
5: There was about there was about three hundred and something like uh, I'd say like. Three hundred and thirty people at the convention, so we needed one sixty-five, mm-hmm. and at our meeting alone, we had one seventy-five. <laughs> so, you know, we're pretty sure that. But actually, the bigger problem was this: it turns out to change the agenda at the convention required a thirty percent, a thirty-two-thirds vote. Okay. So we actually needed to have a bunch more just to get the the agenda changed. So there were other people that came obviously, so that we got up to that number and we only won that vote by two or three votes wow. just by the nick. We won that vote. And then that allowed us after that, once we changed the agenda, everything else was like 50% plus one vote to get done. And we were able to, to knock out the rest. I think some of the people that voted for the change of agenda might not have completely understood exactly what the t- change of agenda was. But as that became obvious, it was like, Wow. Holy crow. But we just kept marching.
4: It's an important lesson in in how we need to work together. I mean, we can't have like sacred cows in in this uh, new conservative movement, you know, people who want to control things on their own and uh, they have to be willing to work together. You know, we have to have a a plurality of multiples of of opinions, but, you know, want that one thing at the end of the day to to save our state, to save America and, and to be able to advance patriots forward who are going to be willing to do that in those elected positions and certainly in the positions of delegates, because, I mean, that's going to determine who ends up, uh, you know, really voting down the road, getting people on the ballots. I mean, that's paramount.
5: Yep. I'll tell you, the guys that took over the leadership positions, the guys out out of Lancaster County, out of Lincoln, out of our capital like that, they were extraordinarily bright and they reminded all of us And for me, I'm not a politician. I don't know this stuff, right? But they reminded us the night before, two things. You got to show up. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: You got to know the rules. I mean, this I love the basics. They're so easy. You got to show up. You got to know the rules. If you don't do those two things, it's not going to happen. And that's what these guys did. We showed up and then... They knew the rules, luckily. So, so that we had something there to follow. They really led this effort like that. And of course they ended up in the leadership positions. I'm, I'm in no position to do that. I'm, and I'm not really interested. I'm not that I'm not, I'm not trying to be a patriot. Everybody's got their job. My job was to help organize the people in my group. And I really, my job is just at the very top of my group. My group's like 400 people. Mm. I don't call 400 people. I talk to three or four or five people. Some of those people talk to 10 or 12 or 15 people. Those 10 or 12 or 15 people, they talk to everybody else. So there's a lot of people in the Nebraska Voter Action Project, never met me, never talked to me. Maybe they've seen some of my videos. That's it. You know what I mean? So my role in this is very narrow. I'm the spokesperson. I help organize. I help plan like that. That's it. There's a lot of other people that are working at the dirt level. And now we're going way beyond this, because to be truthful, this and $4.50 might get us a cup of coffee at some Starbucks. That's it. It really wasn't worth much, in a sense, to take over the GOP, because guess what? We'd already had our primary, and we already had all our rhinos lined up to go into the House, the Senate, and governorship, the senior executive positions. So now how are you going to change those people's minds? It's not going to be Larry Ortega. I am not going to walk into the new governor's office and the new secretary of state's office and say, well, this is the way you ought to be doing it. And they're going to pay attention to me. They're not going to pay one lick of an attention to me, Larry Ortega. They won't. What they will pay attention to. And this is what we are doing. And this is inside this organization. This is what we've catapulted us into is that we are helping people to get things straightened out at their own county first. And then second of all, to organize as groups of counties to go to the elected officials that are at higher levels. So right now, our full focus has been, what are we going to do before today when all the election records are thrown out from the last election, the 2020 election? We hit the 22-month point today. So this last few weeks has been totally focused on working with clerks, getting the data. We cannot get the cast vote records. This is critical. Because in 80% of the counties where they pulled the cast vote record, they found that instead of seeing the normal plot of where you see the, the election kind of flip between two guys and then calm down to the even ratio, that's what the law of large numbers would expect you to do. Instead, what we see here in Nebraska is the election starts heavily in favor of one person and then slowly ascends because they're, they're fudging the vote the whole way. Until mm-hmm. the end, when they finally hit the ultimate ratio. This is a cheater vote. When it comes and it's flat like that, that's a fair vote as to what's going on. So we would like to see that data. Never got it. Not a single county would let us look at those records. It, by law, in the state of Nebraska, they had to. So at this point in time, we're doing something. We're, it's called bonds for the win. We're pulling the bonds on every secretary that told us no. Or clerk, excuse me, every clerk of every county. It's a $100,000 bond. $5,000 was put up by the state. $95,000 was backed by collateral from that clerk. So that clerk may have a house. They may have a boats and cars or whatever. Whatever collateral they have, we're pulling on it and we're collecting on it. And so collectively, Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project, all of our people that were working this at the county level, at the individual counties, they are doing it. And we're all filing against those people. Now- we we run into this strange political pressure, especially in these small counties. You know that lady. Her son is married to your sister's daughter. Mm-hmm. This is like family stuff. and right. so You got to be kind of careful about this because you could really upset people like forever. So what we might end up doing is claiming on each other's counties.
4: <laughs> that, that's, so I was going to say that's probably a really good idea because then you don't have that conflict at play. Now. Correct. So it, it's in, insane to me that 100 percent of these clerks would all decline to follow the law. And it, it, I, even if you guys know each other, at the end of the day, the law is the law. And if you're yeah. going to go ahead and break it and then your bond is going to get called, I mean, that's just the way it is. You set yourself up for that. It's
5: in this case, it's a federal felony. Yeah. So.
4: So what was know, the rationale? I mean, crying, pay for it. W- was the rationale uniform across the board? Or, I mean, did they even bother was, to give it to you?
5: It was like listening to a Democratic talking point. <laughs> he believed the Secretary of State was telling them exactly what they had to say. Okay. I mean, it was a broken record. I mean, it, it was it just, they all repeated the same thing, both in their letters and live. Uh, some of them went back and asked their their uh, county, county uh, attorney to take a look at it. But basically, he the answer still came out to be virtually identical on how they said it to us from each one of them. So um, very interesting as to how that's going to all turn out. We'll see. But and you know, the insurance company they're not there to write checks. <laughs> no,
4: no. They're, but they're going to stop you from
5: being able to receive a check.
4: But, but the law, is, the law is fairly oh, black and white. I mean, it's extraordinarily black and white in this so, case if if it was the Secretary of State at the end of the day that was dictating to all of these clerks, I mean, that would probably be something that would have been recorded somewhere, like in an email. Uh, have you guys thought about filing Freedom of Information Act requests for any of the communications between the Secretary of State and these no. various clerks?
5: We may do that as we advance forward. You know, if we were a professional organization and everybody was getting paid, that'd be one thing. I'm doing this nights and weekends, and so is everybody else I work with. And we like, uh, you know, we got to sleep once in a while. Sure. So that is, it would be a wonderful thing for us to also pursue. And it is something that we would consider if we had to go down that path and start to push that a little bit more. It turns out we already had, pu- we had already submitted claims against the bond. In fact, $350,000 plus of claims against the bond of the Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. And what that was all about was the Secretary of State had um, thrown away election data. And he'd written us a letter through his lawyer telling us that, uh, well, you see, by Nebraska state law, I only have to keep the names of the people that are still alive, registered voters that are alive now, and which, which elections they voted in the past. So that's all I keep. I throw the dead ones away. And of course, our response is that's not what the federal law says about federal election. All election officials will hold on to their election data for 22 months. And you just told us, I don't have it. If you want it, you got to go ask the county and look at their sign-in paperwork and the backs of all their envelopes to figure out who the people were that actually voted like that. Well, we took that answer is you throw away election data, that's a felony, and uh, not having the data... That's also a felony, like that. So it's a thousand dollar fine. That's what it, the maximum is, what it could be. But that also happens to be the minimum of what a felony is. So we went ahead and we filed, and we included all his letters and everything attached to it in our filing with Liberty Mutual, who is the surety bond official for our executive branch officials here in the state of Nebraska. So we've got it filed on the Secretary of State, different subject, and then we've got it filed. We're starting. We're going to begin filing for all these county clerks. And most likely at the end, we will also file against the secretary of state against his hundred thousand dollar bond, except this one, a second complaint about, you know, coordinating the clerks and telling the clerks and not having them keep this data.
4: If people live in Nebraska and they want to help out or if people are just Americans and they want to devote some time, I mean, I know I I have a lot of hardcore researchers that watch the show. Uh, What's the best way to get in touch with you guys and, and offer up their services? The
5: absolute best way is through our Telegram chat channel. It's Nebraska voter accuracy pro accuracy project chat. You go into that channel. Anybody can join the channel. When you get in, you start commenting on a few things and you say, look, I want to volunteer to help with hand counting of ballots that we keep as a closed channel. Mm -hmm. So you call, you'll end up talking to the channel leader. She's going to spend a bunch of time talking to you about why you're interested, what's your strength, what do you know, how could you help, that sort of a thing like that, walk you through our process, explain to you where we're at, and then say, okay, how, you know, what aspect of the process could you work with? And, for example, right now, what we're really looking for are people that live in specific counties in Nebraska so that they can help in that county get things done. that. That's that's kind of the level of detail that we're working out. Pretty much all the theoretical and the top-level aspects uh, are not that complex, and it hasn't been that tough, and I've been able to help people with most of the top-level stuff. Right now, I think I've got in my inbox somewhere around 60 or 70 responses from those county clerks that people have forwarded to. In other words, I I, I wrote the email, put my signature and my email address at the bottom, but then I had other people send it out because it was moved down to the last wire, and we needed to get them out right away. So they sent them out using their email, and they're getting the responses where people just click reply and replied to them. But then those, of course, are getting forwarded to me since I was the signatory at the, against the bottom. So I've been using, again, I don't use anybody else's name at the Nebraska Voter Action Party except mine, so that when people come to investigate me, they go, wait a second, retired military officer, he's an engineer not a crazy high paycheck right here. You know, this this guy, whatever, he's working in this company. It's a startup. You know, They, they I, there's nothing there. I mean, it's not, I don't, I, I got this really clean background. And that way, if I don't mention anybody else's name, if I don't use anybody else in any of this, they don't get the grief. I'm the only person to get the grief. And that's, I'm happy with that. Doesn't bother me, whatever. If I happen to be in the state, I'll be more than glad to help. I spend a lot of time on engineering trips, working on various projects like this. So um, not quite, quite. that that's how it works out. That's why we do it what we do it. Right now, it's, it's a lot less theoretical and it's a lot more just the plain old mechanics of go down, talk to the clerk, get this letter submitted, get these responses, go do this, get a copy of the bond, submit this. And we do, in the back office here, we end up doing a lot of the legal work and the organization administrative work. To get those answers, and then use those people again to be the communication people that actually communicate the response back, send things off that that sort of stuff. So So we figured out we figured out, for example, we figured out a a a hand counting manual for our county, for our counties. That manual took us like three and a half or four months to write,
0: Mm -hmm.
5: things like twenty five or thirty pages long. But inside that manual, you are shown exactly how how to do it—a straight up, excellent, high quality manual count of a county. Nobody knew how to do it, and and we didn't know either. So we had to go and write it up, figure it out, look at other states, look at our own state, look at historical rules that had happened in the past and figure out how to do that. Now they have that available to them. How do you file on a bond? That's a very complex process like mm-hmm. that. We figured that out. We've spent time talking to the insurance company, going back and forth. It's taken us hours and hours and hours of research and homework. Which laws are they breaking? By the way, what is that federal law? We went, looked up the federal law, got a copy of it, got it explained to us by lawyers how exactly and what it means and how we should apply, how we should include it into our uh, submittals regarding the bond. So how do you pull a bond on somebody? It turns out there's a great group here, and it's called Bonds for the Win. So if you go to bondsforthewind.com, that's where we went. We learned a heck of a lot from Bonds for the Win. But there's a lot that's not quite said always inside that thing. And so to try to get those little details that, you know, that all that all works. And, and then, of course, my own experience years and years and years in a military bureaucracy and a government bureaucracy, I, I learned how to write letters, how to fill out forms, how to play the game, how to work with bureaucrats, how to follow the rules and just very fundamental stuff like that. Not as easy as it looks. <laughs> it's just right. not as easy as it looks.
4: Well, I mean, none of this stuff is, is uh, you know, I mean, used all that much. And I mean, I, I suppose now it's being used a lot more and perhaps at, at a True. greater rate than ever in history uh, here. But I mean, we've kind of just taken for granted that we could trust our institutions and the elected officials and even the unelected bureaucrats that are working in government. But I mean, we're at an amazing time in history, Larry. These people have been exposed in a way that they never have before. And I have to believe they must be feeling the heat, especially when somebody like you and your group comes along and, uh, you know, universally, you're going to every single clerk in the state. Everybody's being asked the same thing. I mean, I'm sure that they are very aware of who you guys are and they must be watching to see what you're doing Uh, next and, and the type of moves that you plan to be making.
5: We've been pit bulls aggressive. Strangely enough, we're very low key. We send in, it's not Larry Ortega walking in it's some little old lady somebody's mm-hmm. grandma she will quietly comes in she just asks these questions and i'm sure she's shocking them out of their shorts when she when she sends the letters i write the letters they submit them and the letter chapter and verse quotes the laws why they have to respond how much time they have to respond what how what the response has got to consist of and these people i'm sure are going like what in the world is cuz i mean they're just getting hit from every side and we are very careful to follow the law about exactly what's going on. I mean, it's the same old, same old. Gotta, sh- gotta show up, gotta follow the rules and following the rules is a critical thing here. So we're very careful about that. We're very methodical and we try as much as we can to use people that are low key. There's no screaming and hollering. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, don't get upset with nothing. Don't need to do this. Don't need to tell the whole planet exactly what we're doing and when we're doing it. We just show up and it's done.
6: That's yeah, it.
4: We, we don't need to broadcast our, our moves to the enemy. But what I really like about your approach, Larry, is that you're not only being very careful to follow the law, but you're also educating the people that you're attempting to extricate this information from because quite obviously, they don't understand the laws themselves. They take these oaths, they they work in these positions, and yet they have no concept of what it is exactly they're supposed to be doing or the manner in which they're supposed to be doing it. So by informing them and putting them enough. on
5: notice,
4: you we, put them on are, notice.
5: <laughs> right. We are so careful with our clerks. We tell the clerks, look, The issues we see and the challenges we see, we do not see you. We do not see your staff doing any cheat. We can tell you that right now. There's no method that we look at that, oh, you guys are running the cheat. That's not what's happening. We believe it's all happening behind your back. Mm -hmm. But we do need the data, and you, by law, have to share these portions of the data with us. We know which portions you have to share, and that's exactly what we're asking for. We're asking for those portions and those portions alone. And that's where it starts to, it really makes them very uncomfortable because they know what they got told. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they're listening to what we're saying and they realize that, you know, this is not a malice thing. We're not mad at them. We're not upset with them. They're the wrong people to get mad at. They aren't the cheaters. That, that's not where the cheating's happening here in Nebraska. The cheat is actually turns out to be super simple because they just. You could drive Mack trucks through the holes in our election laws here in the state of Nebraska. Now I know why we have holes that large in this in the election laws in the state of Nebraska. And you do, too, from the history that I described to you. Mm-hmm. But they made it wide open. And the bottom line is this. It's very simple. You could just get um, a ballot from that particular district slash uh, precinct. And you can copy off 40 copies of them. And you can order from the county. A list of all the people that have voted in the last four or five elections. They'll Mm -hmm. give it to you and they'll tell you who's registered and which elections they voted in. And you just find the people that didn't vote in the last two or three elections. And then you put all those people in a database with their age. Well, why do you put their age? Because you want to, you want to go out.
2: out.
1: fighterflare.com.
5: you want to make sure that you don't have like 100% of 41-year-olds and 100% of 59-year-olds voted, but everybody else voted below normal. Or You don't want those weird spikes. You want to evenly scatter them by age. Mm-hmm. So well, what's even? Well, guess what? They went to the 2010 census to, did it, to do it. They were so precise here in the state of Nebraska. This is, this is the funny part. For a mathematician, it's funny. Okay. That when you look at a county and you look at a county's curve like this, you start with 18 year olds and you go all the way to 100 year olds like this. And you look at that, you see that it kind of squiggles from age to age. It kind of squiggles like this all the way across. But it turns out if you draw a perfect curve where half of the squiggle space is above and half the squiggle is below, that's called an R squared, that's called an R squared normative curve. So it's exactly right down the middle and half of the curve is below and half the curve is above like that. The curves across the state of Nebraska and all the counties match. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) They they match. They virtually look, they are so identical that when you try to compare them mathematically, they turn out to run between 0.96 and 0.99, 0.99 being a perfect identical correlation. So, Where I live, uh, Omaha is north of us in Douglas County. In my county, Sarpy County, is Bellevue in the suburbs of Papillion and Ralston and La Vista and Gretna. All suburbs of Omaha, just south of Omaha like that. Both those counties, they correlated. There are two curves that you draw where you you got to split the difference exactly on both of the curves, where half the squiggle is above and half the squiggle is below. Those two curves correlated at 0.99. What does that mean? On average, not exactly, people of a particular age all woke up at the same percentage and voted that morning or that day for the election. Really? How likely would that 19, 20, be? 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 35, 36, 37, 38, 71, 72, 73, across that entire age range from 18 to 100 with a 0.99 correlation. They all voted at the same percentage of registered voters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened. They, they went and they matched those numbers and they matched that curve to get it to be just right. So it looks, you know, there's nothing weird about it. I mean, you know, it looks, looks like a normal curve sort of a thing, like, except it matches the 2010 census curve, looks exactly the same shape.
4: So it's just a smooth, even distribution across the board rather than having a whole bunch of extra 41-year-olds or a bunch of extra 22-year-olds. It's just a nice, even distribution. Do you know mathematically, like, what the chances of that happening? I mean, not only the distribution across zero. the county, but...
5: But <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? That's, that's zero. Next question. Oh, that's I mean, great. <laughs> there's, there's really no calculating. To be okay. true. The, the correct answer is can't be done. Can't, you can't calculate that. But it's it's just crazy low. That just doesn't happen. Oh, and by the way, here's another strange thing. We, all, we learned this from Dr. Frank. If you go to the state of Ohio, and actually I tried this.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: State of Ohio, they have the same thing in all their counties. Then when you look at the, the average curve for each county and you compare this county to the next county, the they all look exactly the same. And they all correlate 0.92 to 0.99. A great correlation is 0.85 or better. That's a great one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, not, not that great a correlation is 0.7, 0.6, something like that. A terrible correlation is 0.5 or less. Okay. That's, that's what you're talking about as to how similar things are. Well, these particular counties in Ohio, they're just like us. They're all between 0.92 and 0.99. They just correlate almost identical to each other every single county. That's the first thing. Now here's the more stunning thing. You take the Ohio curve and you bring it to Nebraska and you use it in any any county in Nebraska, it correlates like 0.6, 0.4, 0.51. It doesn't correlate. But guess what? It's the same in every state. You take the Iowa curve, you bring it to Nebraska, it doesn't work. But the Iowa curve works in every county in all of Iowa. Wow! For all fifty states,
4: there's a clue there. Absolutely, yeah. They they have done a, an incredible job of determining the uh, various most covert way to go ahead and do this. Do you know if uh, the, the Eric program is in is in use there in Nebraska? Um, they they want to sign up for it. Yeah, <laughs> of course we're complaining
5: continuously to them about it. They haven't yet. But they want to. They think it would be a good thing.
4: So so now that we've reached this deadline and you guys have put out these notices, you've told them that you need this information. uh, Do you anticipate that they're going to provide it to you or are they? No, no,
5: no. no, no. I I haven't read all my email, but what generally I've been told from my top level leadership is they all came back. No, Mm -hmm. no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give you that data. no. So they gave us all those. So at this point, it's going to be um, the bureaucracy of collecting all the bonds. And then we have to collect their oath of office where they promise to follow the law. We'll present both those to the insurance company. And at that point in time, like that, we will turn around and file and we'll write up. It's basically the same problem with all of them. So, you know, it's the, the write ups are going to be very similar. They declined us data that by this specific law in the state of Nebraska, 32-1032, blah, blah, blah. And we'll quote from the law and everything. You know, we'll write a nice little letter that will very politely explain all this, that they had the report. This is the report that on election night, they drew from their tabulators with their their little um, memory stick. They took that memory stick, they put it in their computer, and they sent it to the Secretary of State. That is the report that we want. It's called the cast vote record. In the law, they call it the summary of votes cast. Cast vote record, summary of votes cast, whatever. I mean, that's what that's what we've been looking for. Instead, what they keep wanting to send us is the summary of results. This is a document. This is not the document they send to the Secretary of State. This is the document the Secretary of State sent to them and said, hey, look, here are your county results. This is the summary of of uh, results. And that's what they keep wanting to send us. And we say, no, no, no. We want what the law says the summary of votes cast. And that's what we're looking for out of that Secretary of State. And we can't get it out of him. And they won't turn it over to us and pull the bonds. Not so- following the law.
4: So how do those two data sets differ? I mean, I I would imagine, is there some level of distillation of the data coming from the secretary of state after it's been handed over from the county?
5: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I should have clarified that. So the summary of votes cast is this vote said he voted for uh, voted for Trump. Okay, he voted for this person for mayor. He voted for this person for um, uh, county commissioner. He voted for this person for school board like that. So Mm -hmm. next vote. Who voted for Trump. He voted for this person for county commissioner, this person for uh, a mayor, this person for, uh, uh you know, a secretary of secretary of state. So it's just the votes for each one of the votes cast in order. That's what we're looking for. OK, what we get from them in the summary of results is this guy got five thousand two hundred and sixty six votes. OK, this guy got three thousand two hundred and twenty one votes. This lady got one thousand two hundred and forty three votes. This lady got 1,652 votes. It's just the results. It's the summary of results, okay. which is very different than the summary of the votes cast.
4: Well, it, you know, especially because there were uh, there was a lot of talk uh, about like down ballot votes just not being cast. Uh, you know, the, the ballot would simply read just somebody voting for Joe Biden. They turn it in. They don't vote for anybody else. That, that's right. definitely suspicious. We'd like to know that. Yeah, we'd like to know
5: that. Plus, we've heard that across the country, eighty percent of the time when they look inside at the Coast Cast vote record, they see that trend that instead of being a flat line, you know, a burble with a flat line of the ratio of win to loss, instead we we get this it starts on one end, it drops to one end, whoever it is that they favor, and then it slowly ascends as more votes are count, which that means they're changing the rate the total ratio of votes with every set of votes that they count. That's that's just crazy. There's no way. But guess what? When we go to look at the CIDL data, CIDL gets their data. The New York Times, think Fox News, think what you mm-hmm. saw at the bottom of, of the TV, sort of. That is all CIDL data. That CIDL data gets their data from the same source that the Secretary of State does. So at the end of the night, the CIDL data matched what the Secretary of State said. Not not, not a shock, okay? But guess what? If you take that New York Times, if you take that CIDL data, if you take that Fox News data and you plot it through the night, guess what it looks like? It's not a verbal and straight line. It is whoop for Biden, and then it slowly ascends in a straight line. The ratio changes all night long. It's a clear cheat. So we see this. We already know this when we look at the CIDL data. The Secretary of State came back and said, well, that's not official data. We said, well, we got it from the same source as you. And he ended up at the same spot that you ended up for your totals. You won't show us any of the previous data. You'll only show us the endpoint data. I think we know why he won't show us the cast vote records. Because I think if we actually saw the cast vote records, what we're going to see is a sloping line, which would prove that that particular county was cheated and it needs to be thrown out immediately.
4: Yes, yes. So the uh, uh, was there any evidence of vote flipping going on in Nebraska? I mean, I, I, on election night, no, I don't think we had that. Okay, okay. Uh,
5: not, not, we just didn't really see. What we we did see plain old fashioned ballot stuffing. Mm-hmm. We had four thousand and one more ballots than there were people that actually voted. So yeah, that that's. In one county, it was a rural county. This was not a major city, a rural county. We had 800 more votes, that ballots that got submitted than there were people that showed up, mailed in a ballot, or people that showed up to actually vote. And did so they offer did any the explanation?
4: Ballots? Was there any explanation for that? <laughs> no. no. <laughs>
5: no well, well, first of all, they won't accept the presentation. So how can they explain <laughs> it if they don't? You know, it's real simple, but yeah. It <laughs> was a matter of that's great. Was, That's great. That's
4: yeah. <laughs> great. All right. We're we're, we're going to be opening up the phones here in just a moment. Uh, and I wanted to go through the thank yous on the Foxhole and see if there's uh, anything that people had thrown in there as questions. But you guys uh, feel free to jump on the line if you have any questions for Larry about the uh, work his organization is doing or uh, any way that you might be able to replicate the methods that he used in your own home counties. Uh, One other thing I was going to say. Go ahead, the most important thing, and and this is only in hindsight
5: that we see this, the most important thing we did was prove to people with real facts that we had election fraud. Mm-hmm. And then that got people motivated to get up off the couch and actually go down and become delegates and show up at the GOP convention and then fight at their county level with the county clerks, like I'm telling you to get their election laws, rules and laws changed and their election methods changed and also to get everything done. So you had to start with that motivation first. And that's what now we're now doing with our, at the county level. We're having each county, we're trying to work with them to build their logic for how the cheat occurred inside their county so that they can go to these people and say, look, you think you're so special? No, you're not. This is how the cheat occurred inside your county. And this is what you have to do to help us. And we're hoping that that's going to continue to motivate people to straighten things out.
4: I think that it's obviously something that has to happen. And what you guys are kind of doing is playing the long game. I mean, you said earlier that the rhinos were already in place. But by getting all of these people, your people into place, getting American patriots and their people who are going to care about what happens in the future, they can apply that political pressure and uh, they can kind of push from the ground floor up uh, and And Perhaps in the next election, you know, that's when we can get some actual American patriots into elected position.
5: Absolutely. And, and the most important thing we're telling them now is we're telling these these people at the county level, hey, you're politicians now. You are the GOP pol- political party in your county. You need to put together a platform with planks. You need to put out a press release so it ends up in the local newspaper so everybody can look at it. You got to give them an email address. They can write and say, Hey, yeah, but you know what else? You need to do this. We, I want this change. I want take their ideas and make it better like that. Make it truly representative of your county. Then when you have a county platform in planks that says, this election was fraudulent. We want things changed. We want it obviated like that. You go and you talk to all the other counties that have the same legislator at our state legislature. And you go to those other counties and you say, look, Let's build a legislator platform, one that we all agree on, and vote for it and pick those planks and put them together and put together a platform for your legislative district. Then you go to the legislator and you say, this is your platform. If you want to get reelected, this is what you're going to do. And by the way, we already know that out of these 10, you like seven of them and you don't like the other three. We can tell you right now, we know you'll support the seven. We're going to be watching you to make sure you support the other three. And if you don't want to support the other three, that's OK. We've probably got a couple people here in this group that, you know, we can we can get you replaced. We'll, we'll get another replacement. It's not that you can always take another job. You can work somewhere else. It's not the end of the world sort of a thing. We want it's, them to do that at the legislative district level. We want them to do that at the congressional level. And then eventually we would work with them at the state level to get a state platform that now truly represents the people of the state of Nebraska as conservative as they are. And that's what we would hand to the governor, to our senators, and say, this is what we want, you executive branch. You may be rhinos, but this is what we're supporting. And guess what? We're not looking at the six you really want to do. We're looking at the four that you're not very interested in. Those are the ones we're going to be grading you on. Get to work. And now it's not Larry Ortega arguing. It's not my platform. I didn't write it. Mm -hmm. The counties wrote it. The people at the dirt level wrote it. They took it to their legislators. Now the legislators have come together and they, with the counties, went to go talk to the congressman. Now the congressman's like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, they go to the senators and the senators are like, if I want to get elected, this is what I got to do. And by the way, they don't care about the ones I already like. They only care about those three or four that I don't like. Those are the ones they're going to be grading me on.
4: So I, I have is, to imagine that the, the s- security of the elections, Larry, that's p- probably got to be number one. I mean, uh,
5: that's what we're peddling on right now. Like yeah.
4: So, so getting rid of the electronic voting machines? Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. Got to go to manual live voting and manual counting. Both.
4: It's so simple. I mean, uh, President Trump obviously mentioned it during uh, the speech in Pennsylvania, and uh, I've had so many people who watch the show that live outside the United States. I mean, third world nations. It's so easy. They can vote in those third world nations on a single day. They can use a paper ballot. They have to show a voter ID. I mean, it, it could be the simplest possible scenario that you can imagine. They have made it overly complicated so that it is a lot easier to cheat so that they can slide votes in so that they can start off with a 35,000 vote advantage whatever it is and they can ensure that the uh, the rhinos and the democrats that they want to get into office will but it, i mean if if we can put enough pressure on these elected representatives whether it's you know it, that at the the state legislature level or uh, congress in washington dc then we can get there it's just a matter of uh, planning and, and a matter of execution. And you guys really have gotten those two things down, I feel like. All right, we're going to – let me go – we have one caller on the line, folks. Let me uh, take a look through the thank yous over there. I want to make sure we don't have any specific uh, uh, questions. Uh, Boneless Chicken says, Zach, great show as always. Thank you to Larry, uh, and today you have the skin of a golden god. I like to say a sun-bronzed Greek god <laughs> is what I look like. Uh, I went to the oh. beach today, Larry. That's why I'm wearing my contacts, and uh, it's uh, it's it's doing okay. Normally they get pretty dry by this point. Uh, thank you to Low Country Brooklyn. Uh, she passed out the link for bonds for the win, and you can go to uh, forward slash state dash codes. Looks like you can find stuff for your state there. Thank you to Persnick and KH Farmer says, where we go one, we go all. CHOPS ITMC says, placing government back into public service must be everyone's goal. Parties should not matter. Absolutely agree with you. The problem is that there is that, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 percent of the ultra woke liberal left uh, that only cares about that party, only cares about their own ideology and does not care about putting government back into public service, only making sure that government supports their agenda. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for that. Off the leash. Appreciate that. Uh, one, two, three, SKG and Sean Joe. One foot in 5D says, I see the tan is still going strong. <laughs> much love, RP. Thank you for that. Uh, Pawnlo Picasso, thank you. J2 Dank, Moss Dog, and Porpoiseful, thank you very much. Uh, Pawnlo Picasso, Florida Girl for Trump and Q says, uh, thank you for streaming this, RP. Doug Simey says, congratulations, RP, on your upcoming nuptials. Thank you for that. Uh, Toria, appreciate the can. Pawnlo says, A disgusting, dirty sweatsuit, Fetterman. <laughs> Larry, I didn't even get a chance to ask you about the rally tonight. What did you think about President Trump uh, and what he had to say tonight? I felt like he was he was in rare form.
5: He was classic. He was classic. And and he was classy. You have to understand this is. Could you imagine if your house was invaded by the FBI and they're flipping through your wife's underwear looking for classified documents? Mm -hmm. Give me a break. This is ridiculous what's been going on. And this guy is a professional about it. He's a consummate. He understands this is the way the game is being played right now. It's ridiculous. Just like every other one of these things has been unproven to be absolutely ridiculous one after another. It's a broken record. And now people actually uh, believe it 100%. They believe it. They believe that the government is playing games with him. They believe that this is all just made up. Mm -hmm. And it's it's you know, I, I think he's been very classy about it. I really liked a lot of his inspirational, the inspirational portions of his speech where he was talking about a future that we can actually go towards, that we believe in. And I think he identified all of the real challenges and issues that we've got today, whether it's education, the border, crime like that across. the You know, those are the kinds of things that people really, truly care about. And that's what he was focused on. I'm very pleased with that. Of course, he had to talk about some of the un- unfairness and unjustness that's occurred. Again, my belief uh, is still that this is going to be a red trickle, not a red wave. And the oh, reason really? it's going to be a red trickle is because all the cheating that I'm seeing going on right here in the primaries. It's just ridiculous what's been. this? The latest thing, this Sarah Palin thing, that is just Beyond ridiculous.
4: Yeah. Ranked choice voting is just such a bad move. I, I I can't believe it. This is like the first time in 50 years that a Democrats been o- elected in Alaska. I mean, it, it's so obvious that, uh, that there's cheating there. You know, the one hope that I have, Larry, is that. You know, rigging a presidential election. Okay, I mean, that's that's one race uh, and they got to do it all across the country. They didn't really have to do it all across the country. They just had to do it in five or six different areas that were very important. Clearly, Democrats uh, controlling each of those major areas, maybe with the exception of Arizona. uh, And they just ensured that that was going to happen because we had the mail in ballots. We had covid uh, all of this garbage telling people to stay home. I mean, they, they, they planned it out well. But we don't have those exact same uh, circumstances that exist today. And uh, I think that the major difference that we have is that we've really had the massive exposure of the Biden regime and the decision making process of the Democrats. I mean, people are clearly rejecting their agenda uh, and it's happening at a massive rate. So. If we can get out there in in an overwhelming force and uh, make it as difficult as possible for them to cheat and at the same time keep a a really close eye on the vote totals and what we're seeing come through – I'm hoping that we're positioned much better this time around to be able to catch them if we do see something. And I think we also are going to have legal challenges ready uh, because that's something that we were missing last time in 2020. The, the GOP was absolutely just absent in terms of lawyers at local precincts to ensure that we were going to be able to challenge some of this stuff. Uh, let me say thank you to uh Pawnlow again. Oh, and how about that comment about Fetterman being a drug user? Did you catch that? Wow. Yeah. He's, he he was I'm I, I, I mean, the first time I've heard of it. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about John Fetterman, but I am aware that uh, he was on the parole board for the state of Pennsylvania and uh, was uh, uh, reviewing people to actually let out. He let out like 33 percent of the people that came before him, something like that. Uh, and wants to completely legalize state funded like shoot up houses, like you can go in there and you can get your crystal meth you can get your your little drug kit, just like uh Joe handed out in uh, in california uh and uh obviously terrible use of taxpayer funds, but he said that John Fetterman was also a drug user. I thought that was crazy to hear. uh let's also say thank those you to those j- laws those drug laws
5: very they really upset me, yeah, okay. And I hear so many people calmly state that, well, marijuana, it's no different than alcohol, except for the fact that every single one of the mass shootings all the way since Columbine in the United States today, the person had very high levels of THC. They mm. may not be at that moment. They may not have been high, but in the last 48 hours, they were very high on THC. Now, THC doesn't affect everybody that way. There's a Probably 80 percent of the people that use THC, they just get a little high and they're past it. And that's not. But there's about two or three percent of the population that use it, that it is a psychotic drug for them. And it will make them absolutely crazy. And it has obviously done this in all of these mass murderers. It doesn't. What's to what? Let's just say that we had What? Let's say it's one percent. Let's say we have 1% of 100 million people. That's a million people. Sure. That's a million people that could get psychotic while, while smoking marijuana like this. And, and as an after effect afterwards, like that. Again, just 1%. Well, a million people, that's a lot. Well, we're, I'm shocked that we have, don't have more mass murders. I think that that's maybe a strong contributory factor towards all the suicides we're having. And all the other killings that were crazy killings we're having where somebody goes and kills their wife or kills their mother or kills their wife and three kids and then shoots themselves. And, you know, it barely makes the news these days when that kind of stuff happens. But I think that that one percent is going on like that. And I think these drug effects are much, much worse than we think they are to the rest of our society. Well, the
4: other. The other thing that those mass shootings and and the uh, spree shooters had in common is that they were using uh, 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 anti-depression medicine, and it it was some some type of psychotropic drug. So there is a possibility that those two things in concert, I'm sure that there are some other outside factors as well. But certainly people using antidepressants have a much higher propensity towards suicide and then uh, the mass shootings, which is terrible. Uh, Need to say thank you to Liberty Bells, says God bless Zach and God bless President Trump. Uh, Thank you to Pawnlow again and Insight Geno. Life of Brian says, always a great stream. We love you, RP. Stay strong, everybody. Uh, Napkinator79 said, eagle bumps. Uh, Jay just said, you're a great patriot, Red Pill. Thank you. Space Cookie says, thank you for streaming the rally uh ponlo said i'm streaming the rally on four screens only listening to red pill stream though thank you zach thank you for that uh thank you again to emily and then ponlo said you don't say it's a rally day baby absolutely okay let's go ahead and bring in our first caller and hopefully we're going to get some calls from people in nebraska and we can see if they were involved in the efforts to take back the state caller make sure you mute that stream and are you there it's calling i'm good me? Colin. yeah we've got you sir how you doing
7: good sorry i didn't uh i wasn't ready to do a uh skype call or whatever no. i mean uh what do you call it
4: not a problem Zoom call. video call
7: yeah okay. yeah thank you yeah i'm just a little a little beat as you can imagine i've been working a lot of overtime. well it. it's actually yeah thanks brother look it's wonderful to meet yet again another uh is really interesting uh there is a james otega that i talked to last night at great length who's in california also trying to work on uh the ballot quote-unquote counting and whatnot uh, and he's working on the affidavits of the fraud so uh real interesting stuff i will be glad to put you send me an email and i would be glad to put you guys in touch because um it sounds like out of all the people that I have heard you've got the best handle on everything because you're combining the very things that I've been putting out that people need to combine and properly use, uh, you know, uh, bonds for the win. Because that it, I remember when Zach had those two lays on and I was jumping up and down and going, Yahoo. Um, what I would like to do, if you don't mind, sir, is also pretty we can talk later. But one of the things I think where you're at would be the perfect. Example of where to use continued competency. I call it training, but it's actually testing. If you have uh, the ability to cause the legislatures to pass the legislation, I think it's a very simple thing. I think you'll agree it's a 240-year-old oversight. Article 6 clearly states shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution, um, which is very different from protect and defend um, because you have to believe in it and you have to know it. So to put it into positive law would be continued I call it training because it sounds much nicer and I have a uh, a basically a 6 month opportunity for those that are willing to be to get the education that they didn't get and I thought that was a reasonable thing so that we can have a working you know working government as it is however with it first of all the people that are going into office for other purposes uh less than honorable purposes won't be able to pass the test the test is actually three phases, knowledge, understanding, and accurate use of the principles upon which the laws are founded, as well as the Constitution itself and, of course, all the laws. Now, the reason why it's also important, those who are in the positions, such as Secretary of State and other appointed positions, they would also be required to pass the, tr- the testing. And uh, they can't pass the test, so now you're getting rid of those people. But here's the kicker. Now you're getting rid of the criminal activities. You're now putting in people that do know the law. And I've been doing this a long time. And when I educate people about the law, they stand taller. They stand stronger just because they have something to stand on as it's written. Um, so it's, I call it continued competency training uh, legislation. Um, and I'd be glad to share it with you. And, uh, but, I mean, I think you're the perfect Example. Um, I've almost. I've even put out a, a an opportunity, basically a ten thousand dollar reward. Anyone passes it in their local legislature and it doesn't have a positive effect, I'll give you ten thousand dollars, kind of thing. Because I'm, I'm really getting frustrated. I've had it for almost six years, and if we could pass this in the local legislatures, or, you know, around the country, all of this stuff goes away. Because where do the senators and congressmen come from? The local area. So anyway, uh, your opinion, sir.
5: My opinion on on your idea. I love your idea. I I just wonder how I I think we'd have to we'd have to change the politicians before we get it passed. Right. (laughs) That's that's pretty obvious. Uh, They're pretty focused on themselves. They're pretty focused on what they want to do. And they're not very focused on necessarily the people who elected them. Uh, That's just a a minor inconvenience that you got to do every two to two to six years is uh, go get reelected. But uh, you're exactly correct. People do need to understand this with greater clarity. Strangely enough, this is actually kind of an underlying goal to what we're doing with this delegate strategy, precinct delegate strategy. Because what what our goal is, is we want those people at the precinct, county, whatever, in our case, small counties or a single precinct, um, at, at the county precinct level like this, Is to actually get those people smart enough Where they look around and they say I could do what that state legislator could do And they become state legislators And they become state legislators And they saw how the platforms And the planks were built at the county level And now they see how it's built at the state level And they look around and they say That congressman's not that bright I could be a congressman like that And they could There's no reason we can't Daniel Boone, uneducated Senator, Why not? We need more Daniel Boone's than we've got today inside the Senate and inside the House of Representatives. We don't need everybody to graduate from Harvard and Yale and places like that. We don't need everybody to be a professional lawyer. That's that's not the point of the law. That's not the point of, of our representatives in Congress or in the Senate or the president, for that matter. We need people. That are fair and are thinking about the other people that are out there, and they're not going to be influenced unduly by mm-hmm. various types of lobbyists off K Street. So, yes, we that's, need people that are that are responsible to the Constitution, but it's got to be they've got to be organic. They've got to be from the very bottom. That's where we have to get them from. That's uh, agreed, and and that's part of that's part of where this came
7: from. uh, You know, uh, through a lot of work and a lot of prayer, but it was basically when when it was when it was written. Um, it was written in such a manner that it said um, positions of public trust, which, of course, means all corporations, etc. And it also, um, if you notice, it says the knowledge, understanding and accurate use of the principles, which now goes back to. And I would suggest anyone listening in that you understand something that God has revealed to me that apparently no one's aware of. And that is that the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America is, in fact, a perpetual irrevocable express trust upon which every form of government is founded. In other words, we can switch out the government, the form of government anytime, but it's still under the trust. And I would suggest using the case is called Dartmouth college to get an idea of what that means that the corporations or legal entities created under that trust are still subject to those principles. Um, but the, uh, also uh, I'm willing to, I'm more than happy to work with you or anyone, would be what we can do just the simple ten questions of oath verification or indictment's been out for almost thirty years now. Uh, I can share that with you it's a matter of minutes to witnesses, and I can literally indict any one of these people in public office, but to use their game, we can say, "Well, we can either indict you or you pass uh continued competency training. You see what i am getting at I know, yes, we've got, got to learn to play by their we've got to learn to play by their rules we've right. got to learn to start playing by the strong arm rules we've got to learn to i mean they, you know, one thing I learned about bullets, they can't stand it when, when they, you know, when you do the same thing to them, they don't like it then. And I actually, when I share with people in, in cases, which I've got so many cases coming up right now, I basically say, don't sit there and say, well, you know, there were this many voters, this many votes for Trump. Now, instead you ask them to say, well, how would you feel? Cause they're all motivated by feelings. How would you feel if Trump did this? Why would you feel if Trump or his, his cronies did that? Or how would you feel if Trump did this? Well, don't you think we need to do something about that, and then you get them to basically create the legislation to stop Trump from being able to cheat unwittingly doing exactly what you want to be done in the first place? In other words, we need to wise up is kind of what i'm saying
5: i I think that's definitely the approach, but I think there's some brighter people on the other side that won't let won't get sucked into the story i mean I wish that would were that simple, but I just just looking around at what's going on right now, and what that is the kind of the approach that our uh, legislators, the conservative legislators, tried to take here inside the state. And the Democrats weren't buying it. <laughs> they were like, "No, okay. uh, the laws well, are really good. good. We we've got we don't have any fraud here in the state of Nebraska. I mean, everything's going great. I mean, we got fabulous okay. election laws. I, well, who cares about different. what the Heritage Foundation had to say that we're you know forty six out of fifty states." In the state of Nebraska for election laws, don't pay attention to them. Right?
7: It was well. Pathetic. As I say, the, the 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 ten questions of oath verification or indictment is probably the quickest, fastest way to uh, to get. I mean, literally, if people were willing to do it, you get literally get them. You can literally indict them um, because through the ten questions, they literally admit that they have are without knowledge of the very oath of office that they took and. Um, and you you get them to basically say, yes, they're committing fraud. Um, I'd be glad to share that with you. Which, I mean,
5: that I'd be, uh, in. I'd be very interested in. I'd be very interested
7: And I even have something even quicker than that, uh, which I'll share with you too. Um, under 18 U.S.C. 4, it's uh, very fast, within about 30 seconds. <laughs> I can do the same thing. I'd love to work with, with you or share information. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, you can find me,
5: Larry Ortega, on uh, Telegram. Just that's just- okay. Throw All that right, in, I and you'll be able to connect up to me directly.
7: Absolutely. Well, bless you. All right, great. L-A-R-R-Y?
5: L-A-R-R-Y-O-R-T-E-G-A.
7: All right. All right, fantastic. I will send you one here in a few minutes,
5: then. Thank you. Blessing. Absolutely.
4: God, I am muted. I muted. <laughs> can you hear me, chops? Okay, I can't hear you. Oh, we can't hear you, yeah, uh gosh, Lord, <laughs> I had kind words for Colin, everybody. That's what you missed, and I was talking about the issues with the uh uh Michigan delegation that just happened in the last week uh if uh can you please tell me guys what who the uh candidate for uh michigan a g is on the Republican side? I know Christina Caramo for secretary of state and um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Chomps. I I don't think it's working, buddy. Well, if you can't hear me, there you go. We've got, uh, we've got you now.
8: We've got you. I had to switch microphones. I uh, got this one in the bargain bin and uh, getting everything uh, synced into the system has been a a challenge today. All right. uh, 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 Pick the name DiPerno for uh, uh, Secretary of State. Matt DiPerno,
4: that's it. Matt DiPerno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's going to make a great Secretary of State. Going to make a great Secretary, or a great AG, I mean. And Christina will make a great Secretary of State. Okay, Chomps, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, obviously, uh, you're in Michigan. This is uh, something that's, uh, uh I think would uh, have a lot of impact in Michigan if we could get it done. But uh, what, do you, uh, what do you think is going to be your experience there?
8: Well, uh, considering I've been... Uh, harping on both my state rep and my state senator for two and a half years at this point, state senator has been a good friend of my dad for decades when they served on a fire department together It's just uh I don't have high hopes on that level, and I'm hoping to get a better clarification out of twitter Dixon. I know where uh uh DePerno stands, so definitely on well uh, looking for that but um there's just so many rhinos here and it just sours my taste for the entire partisan thing that, uh, my last two decades and change coming up on 25 years soon, um, is, um, uh, been, uh I, 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 won't say validated, but, uh, can't get anyone else to even, uh, poke their heads out of the sand. Now, as far as the bonds, as far finding, uh, uh, like uh, Benson's Bond or uh, Whitmer's Bond or things like that, I seem to be coming up against a lot of the same roadblocks that I'm running into when it comes to trying to find uh, uh, what vote was uh, used in my name. Was it the provisional one I filled out on the ballot uh, on Election
4: Day? Or was it one that they claim to have already had? I can't seem to get anywhere with that. And So, so Ch- Chomps, are, are you saying that, Someone voted in your name before you got there on Election Day? They already had a ballot in my name. Okay. And
8: And you didn't fill it out, presumably? No. Just like my brother, uh, my second youngest brother, uh, had uh, his name used on four different ballots in three different locations in Michigan and one more in Indiana, where he never
4: lived. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Uh so so you really don't know if your vote even counted. That's uh that that's nuts. Let me ask you this. Uh had you have you been a regular voter or did they do you think they tried to use your, your name to vote because they thought you might not vote?
8: Uh I voted in nearly every election, nonpartisan, but nearly every election, uh for twenty five years now. So it's I, I catch the spring primaries, I catch the spring specials, I do the generals. Yeah, so...
5: Nearly a stolen vote. Absolutely.
8: Yeah, but I've got no way of validating it or disproving it, because everything comes up as a uh, proprietary information of the uh, uh, tabulation machine. And that's as far as I'm allowed to get, as far as current uh, court and legal proceedings are operating. And the legislature is doing, well, same thing they do with Whitmer. Nothing.
6: hmm
4: So, Larry, this is a problem I've heard from uh, a number of people throughout the last two years. I mean, not really knowing whether or not their vote counted. I I mean, certainly at the end of the day, they can show that they they had a ballot cast in their name, but when they've already had a ballot cast and then they they show up and they have to do a provisional – you know, there's no way to verify who that ballot was cast for. This has always seemed to me to be um, another one of those inherent weaknesses that have been built into the system because, you know, oh, everything's fine and good, your ballot was cast. But, I mean, who actually cast it if it wasn't you?
5: Yeah. And so, you know, the the best solution that I've heard for that over the web, just looking around at other people, not my idea, other people's ideas, uh, is that they put ripoff tabs from the ballots, So there is a random number letter combination on the ballot and there's two copies of it and you rip off one and the other one goes and you're you're, only, you know, which ballot is yours, but you're able to enter that into the system and then it reads back. This is what your vote was for that particular tab number that would eliminate this completely because he could come back and say, I don't, I haven't done anything. Here's my ballot. This is my provisional ballot. I'm filling out. I'm ripping off the tab. You guys submit it. I'm sorry. But, you know, you can you can discount any other ballot with my name. You can discount it. And I will know that that one got voted because he can look it up inside the system with that and see that the votes matched what who he voted for.
8: I think this is as good of an idea as uh what I saw with uh some of the uh taiwanese elections I've been looking at where they will actually live stream the counting of the ballots
5: uh we think it's appropriate we 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 recommend that in our voter manual in our vote counting manual.
4: you know i this is uh this this could also be addressed with uh with q r codes or some type of unique scanner that uh that is associated with your ballot, and then you could perhaps you know, verify that online later. I mean, I think this is something Javon hutton Pulitzer has talked about as well, including a QR code of some type. But I mean, the, the, uh, the tear-off is, that's pretty simple. I mean, pretty low tech, and I think it would be easy to implement and you wouldn't really have to have any and additional no one knows, infrastructure.
5: No one you know. knows which ballot is yours because the only person who knows the number is you. Mm-hmm. That's it. And there's no database that has to be checked to, to compare the numbers, No. You put your number in, you see what that ballot got registered into the system as.
8: Well, there's a, in Michigan, there's already a, a tear-off uh, ballot matching number for registration and uh, ballot count and such as that on the top of the ballot. But having one that the uh, uh, voter can keep with them on the bottom of the ballot is also a great thing, I think.
5: Now, of course, you want those numbers to be random, random letters and numbers. So that that you can't serial order. Well, the third ballot was mine that day. So, you know, you don't want that. You want them to be absolutely random. So whatever tab you pull off, it only it's your ballot. Well, yeah, if the top number is a serial, nobody else can figure out that it's your ballot. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah,
8: if the top number is serialized,
5: so the uh for
8: uh, uh tracking and auditing purposes, and the bottom number is yours for uh with a separate tear off for uh validation and uh, uh randomization uh checking, I can definitely see that as a great bonus.
5: Because you never know who that person is. Only the person would know who the person is.
8: Yeah, and if you got one set of numbers on top for uh the county clerk or uh precinct lead where you can match the uh, voter who uh, entered the ballot that was there and a separate set with randomized for the person who actually cast the ballot to the ballot then it's another layer of validation i i think that would be an excellent way to go as well as the uh um, live streaming the counting
4: well we'll have to check it out larry is your uh your 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 manual is that available on your website
5: uh, it is not, but if anybody direct mails me a telegram, be more than glad to send them a copy and explain it to them and show them why we picked it and organized it the way we did. Because you know they may have different voting laws in their state; they may have mm-hmm. different ways that they'll have to do it. So, but at least it, it gives them, it gives you a starting point, it gives you something to shoot at and edit. We'll give it to you in word, so it's simple.
4: Okay, right on. Uh, anything
8: other than uh, telegrams, since that's one of the ones I don't have. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, Absolutely. Um, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that perhaps a PDF would be uh, applicable. You could go ahead and d- put that out through the website and people could get to it easily. True. Yeah. All okay. right, Chomps, uh, anything further for Larry? Oh, well, nothing further. Uh, have a good evening, everyone. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All Thank right, you. Peace. So, Larry, when you were putting together that voter manual, uh, did you was it necessary to go through all of the uh, the existing laws that you had in Nebraska? I mean, did you have to tailor it on a per county basis or were you able to do one single manual that would work in the entire state?
5: Oh, that's that leads into a funny story and, and kind of a strange one. The election laws, they carved out all the old laws from 2007 and before when we did. That's the way we did it with manual count. They carved all those laws out and thrown them out. But before they had, when they went in to say that we could begin using uh, uh, electronic machines, they never changed the law. The original law back from 2007 is what they kept with. And the original law says we may use electronic counting machines, which, of course, means in in legal parlance, that's a big word. That means that you don't have to. Mm -hmm. It means that you can use what traditionally has been used, the manual counting method. So once we did that, once we understood that legal little basis, that little step, for us to be able to stand on like that, it gave us a little bit of piece of footing to come out and say, OK, got to happen. And since there were no laws anymore on the books regarding how you handle a manual vote, we were virtually unconstrained. It does say the Secretary of State has to approve any new method of voting, which, of course, they were referring to, like, if you come up with a new machine or you want to use a different company, you got to get the Secretary of State to approve it. But that's only new. If it's old, as in, like, manual counting, like we've done in the past, he doesn't even have a say.
4: So that's brilliant. So... Would it be the county clerks that have the ultimate decision-making power on whether or not you're going to end up using electronic voting machines?
5: That is exactly what we believe and that's what we've been fighting for. And we've been it's our each county also has an election commission okay. besides the clerk. The clerk has a lot more duties than just elections, but they run the elections as well. But that county election commission has the duty to be able to discern that and decide that. And it, that's it's been taking them and showing them the law and pointing at the word may and then explaining, hey, look, this is how we can do it. And this is the options you have. Some of the county clerks have gone to the secretary of state. and The secretary of state come back and said, you can't do that. You can't do that. I have to approve that. I don't approve that. And we go back and we say it doesn't matter what the secretary of state says. The law says may, which mm-hmm. means that you get to do the default option. The default option is what we used to do in 2007 manual count we're going to manual count even right now we do manual count two percent of all precincts in the state of nebraska are manually counted and compared against the electronic tabulator votes guess what they generally match and they, those are randomly picked okay but they generally match it's it's one of those things where that's what drives us even more into believing that these are matched by age, but they're mail-in ballots.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: So the mail-in ballots, well, you know, if it's a cheat, <laughs> the first time it's a cheat the second time. The, the results come out the same. The so, cheat actually occurred when they mailed them in.
4: So have you had any, uh, uh, any movement in getting these clerks to actually say that they're going to start using hand counts in the future? I mean, has anybody uh, decided that they don't want to use the electronic voting machines? Or the, uh, the, the electronic clerks, tabulators,
5: rather? Yeah, the clerks have been very negative because they're like, it was so much easier. I just set up the machine and walked away. You know, that. I mean, that was that's their perspective like that. Sure. The county election commissions are now seriously, seriously looking at this. We've probably got about eight or nine that are very seriously reviewing this and actually seeing how it is they could get this done this November, right now, for this wow. next election which we're very excited about. Because even if we just get two or three, that's a huge win for us. Just huge. And then we keep going from there.
4: Absolutely. I mean, you just implement the proof of concept and show people how easy it is, and then it can spread out like wildfire. Correct. Okay, that's great. That's great. Remember,
5: only three counties out of the 93 counties we have in Nebraska, only three are urban counties. Lancaster with Lincoln and Sarpy and Douglas with Omaha and its suburbs. Those are the only three. All the rest are very small counties. I think the biggest town other than that might have 90,000 people or 80,000 people in it. So, you know, it's hard to call that an urban county with one town of 90,000 or something. And the rest of them have got towns of like 20,000 or 10,000 or five, even 5,000.
4: Does the population size change the size of the election commission? Uh, is that like a, a set number uh, of people it, per county it, or...
5: What it, When you get, it turns out, I believe the threshold is something like 50,000. If there's 50,000 or more in the county, you know, all the cities and, and the farmers that live in that county, then you have an election commission. The election commission is complete control of it. Below that, the clerk is controlled, but the election commission advises sort of a thing. So there's a there's kind of a three-tiered structure. All the way at the top are the biggest counties. In the middle are some of these Slightly larger counties, you know, I would say maybe about 30 or 40 of the counties fit into that category. Three fit into the upper category. Probably about 30 or 40 fit into the next category. and Everybody else, 50, 60, 50 or so counties fit into the lower category. Okay. And they have different levels of, as you might imagine, you got more people you need more people in charge of figuring out how you're going to do this right for given that, that, that size of people. You don't want to. You don't want to have such an expensive overhead of of chiefs trying to tell you how to run the election. A little county, you're not going to do that. You just do it with a clerk, right? And then as you get bigger and bigger, you start having to meet election commissions, et cetera. And as you get really big, well, now you not only have election commissions, but you got whole election staffs and everything.
4: When it comes to the use of these electronic uh, machines, whether it's for actual casting of ballots or the counting of the ballots afterwards, it, does the are the counties entering into uh, contracts like long term contracts with the manufacturers so that they have to have somebody from that manufacturer on site, somebody running the machines? I mean, I would imagine there would be uh, maintenance and, and upgrades. Certainly, we've heard about software upgrades that have to be maintained. What I, I'm what I'm getting at is I'm kind of wondering. Um, you know, what is the comparison in terms of overhead? You know, I mean, obviously you have more bodies that have to uh, physically count the ballots and tabulate all that stuff up. But it, is it the same or less than what you're already going to be paying for a, an electronic tabulator and voting machines with these other people in tow?
5: That is an excellent question. It's an excellent question. In the state of Nebraska, the state pays for all the tabulating machines. The secretary of state doesn't. Through his budget, and so at the county level, for them, it's it's a wash sort of a thing as to what the expenses overall for the state. It's way cheaper to go manual. These <laughs> machines are really expensive to pay for, mm-hmm. and the, the tabulators, and then the tech support, and all that kind of stuff that's got to go on. On the other hand, when you count, our estimate is for every five hundred voters, you need three counters. So in a typical precinct, we have somewhere between 1500 to 2000 voters or votes that will come in. So that means you're going to need nine to 12 people to actually do the counting. And our thoughts are, at least our recommendation to the counties are, is that what we, what we would do instead is run it like, um, like jury duty. You'd select nine or 12 people. They'd each come in. They'd be required to come for one day of training and then they'd have to do one day of prep and then one day of actual election counting and the election counting could start with the election. I mean, we could start, let's say the, uh, the, 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 the precincts open up at eight o'clock, we could start counting at noon so that when the last votes come in at five o'clock like that, that you count those votes last, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So ba- basically we could be done with our counting by six, thirty, seven o'clock, something like that. So easy, that people easy. don't even spend six or seven hours counting. That's it. They're done.
4: That's great. Uh, I mean, obviously that sounds so simple. It sounds so easy to implement. I, I mean, right now it's already a lot more complicated and they are using these machines that are, you know, ostensibly it's supposed to make it easier. It's supposed to make it uh, quicker, but clearly that hasn't happened. We, we've had, you know, let me, practice. Let me
5: tell you about Nebraska. <laughs> In Nebraska, when we went to go look at that sideal vote, like what we got from the New York Times, mm-hmm. you Yeah, know how many days it took them to count the vote? It took them from November 3rd to January 16th to get all the votes counted. That's when they stopped changing the count number on the Secretary of State's website. Months. Like, That's what? insane. It took us three days to get 90% of the vote counted. Texas and California had their results out before midnight. We were totally digital, totally electronic. And by midnight, we were all the way up to somewhere around eight percent of the vote was counted. Wow, eight percent—that's ridiculous. You know, I, I let me show you my shocked face when you hear these <laughs> these stories about the history of voting here in the state of Nebraska, and you know, vice presidents of ES and S somehow becoming state senator or U.S. senators as a result. I, mean, I then you're like, you just go to like. <laughs>
4: So some people are saying that I'm muted, but, guys, I'm definitely not muted, and I'm looking at the levels here, and everything is is working just fine. All right. Well, Larry, I, I think we're going to go ahead and close it out. I've been on the air for f- over four hours, and I'm starting to feel the, uh, uh, the effects of uh, the sitting down. I threw my back out earlier today, and I'm sitting on a heating pad right now, and it's kind of killing me. So um, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests, you know, what do you really want people to take away from the show tonight?
5: And I, I think the number one thing that I want you to take that, that I think that you could learn a lot from here from Nebraska is this is doable. It's a bunch of work. Okay. And it's got to be happening. The work has got to be happening at the dirt level, all the way at the bottom. This is how you're going to make change. Going around and beating up at the politicians at the top is not going to change anything. You have to change the politicians and the people at the bottom. And when you do that, You can then get your individual counties to unite and then your individual legislative districts to unite and your individual congressional districts to unite. And you can work your conservatism up from there. And it's for some people, it may be a slow process where you have to bring in your delegates over two or three election cycles. But two or three election cycles from now, you can change the world. And if you're willing to not take credit like all of the people in the Nebraska voter accuracy project, we use my name at the front. You know what I mean? Everybody knows Larry Ortega, okay? Who cares? What? I'm not going to get elected. I'm not trying to be famous. I don't make any money from this. None of that stuff like that. But it's all those people at the dirt level, they're able to work quietly, underground, privately. Nobody understands. Nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows exactly how it's happening. It's just happening. And it's moving along like that. And they're doing fantastic work. And all I can do is stand back and applaud because they are, they're really getting it done. And that's another thing that's very important going around and screaming and hollering and saying, we're going to overthrow the government, you know, in our state. We're going to overthrow the GOP. You're going to get yourself cut out. I mean, you've heard, you've all heard about it. We've all heard where GOP conventions happened and people weren't seated. They weren't allowed to vote because they knew they were going to get thrown out. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to get thrown up. Had to do it quietly. Hello. Now, I came out of that world. I worked classified programs when I was in the military. When I did, you know, we didn't talk about it. I'd talk about it. You know, I, oh, I, work, at, I work at this base. We do stuff. Yeah, I, no need to talk. No need to talk about it. And so when I talk here, I don't talk always about the details. I don't name the counties. I don't name who my people are that are working inside of that stuff. I don't even know a lot of the people. I don't need to know. That's not my job. Not my job to know every single person in the state of Nebraska that's doing this stuff for Nebraska Voter Action Project. Not my job. (laughs) my That's the people below me. That's their job to understand who the people are in their region or their sets of counties like that. So you need to do this quietly. You have to overthrow things slowly. You have to be careful. You have to take your time, and you just keep grinding forward and grinding forward and keep your people motivated. Explain to them how things are moving forward, how things are happening, at each one of those different levels, people at the dirt level, they know what's happening in their own county because they're the ones doing it. But everybody at the intermediary levels that are helping out, sometimes they're like, are we getting anything done? Are we get, you know, and it's hard to keep that motivated. But you've got to keep working that like that at, at all those levels and keep telling people you're making a difference, you're making a difference. Make And then all of a sudden, you get lucky. You know, things start to happen for you and the rest is history for us. But we have so much more to do. Across, the, not across our state, across our counties, across our legislative districts, across our congressional districts, across our state, and across our country, and that's what's going to take all the way at the bottom.
4: You got to change things all the way up. Absolutely, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are very frustrated who feel that we haven't made enough progress. That you know, if, if we don't fix it before November 8th, then America is done. But I always like to remind people that America didn't just. Become screwed up overnight. I mean, this happened gradually over a very long period of time. These were writing people... plans in the 50s and 60s. Exactly. And it took them basically 70 years to get mm-hmm. it done.
5: Yeah. We, I think we can reverse it in 20 or 30, but it's 20 or 30 years away. It's not next week. It's not next year.
4: Mm hmm. Yeah, this 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 is going to have to happen gradually over time. I mean, it's going to take time for us to infiltrate. You're right about the compartmentalization and being quiet about this stuff. Uh, Otherwise, if you if you're loud and you make a big stink about it, then they're not going to let you play. I mean, they're they're going to push you back and you're going to have to sit at the kids' table. Uh, So. I think we can learn a lot from Larry. Larry, uh, my hat's off to you. I'm very excited about what you guys have done. Hopefully, we'll stay in contact. I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. I want to know what happens with those bonds. And I want to talk to you offline about uh, your your work that you're doing currently because, uh, I, I, yeah, that's just a fascinating subject, and I'm really interested in it, too. You want to tell everybody where they can find you one more time? Yeah, they can find uh, – you can find me, first of all, on Telegram, Larry Ortega
5: and Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project chat, Nebraska Voter Accuracy Project chat on Telegram. That's the quickest way to get in and get response. And people within it, a lot of people within our group, you you ask them, hey, look, I heard you've got a voter plan, you know, on how to manually count votes. Boop, somebody will send it to you. They'll help you with that stuff. I mean, we'll jump in with both feet. We're willing to help any state in any way that we can possibly do that. If you're wondering how to lay out the logic for the cheat inside your state, we can help you with what we've got. We can show you what we did, how we approached the problem, how we, you know, we can't, our cheat isn't your cheat. You've got different laws. You've got different ways that people cheat sort of a thing, but we can help you to discover that. And we can give you nationwide sources that we worked with. Most of this data was not ours, that we developed from scratch. It was Things that we were curious about within our own state and things that we saw from other people that were working it at, at the national level across the board.
4: All right. Well, thank you once more for being here, Larry. Everybody else at home, thank you for hanging out with us as well. I passed out the gold pills on Foxhole, and I think that's all. Uh, I'm taking the day off tomorrow, but I do have a couple of interviews from the Moment of Truth that are going to be coming out. Other than that, I'll see you Monday. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.
5: Thanks, Zach.